Have you ever wondered what you could do to help your pets live a longer, happier, healthier life, but you didn't really know where to start? Well, if this is you, you're going to want to stay tuned for today's episode where we're going to share a simple addition to your dog's diet that will transform their lives and yours. You're listening to Starlight Pet Talk, a podcast for pet parents who want the best pet care advice from cat experts, dog trainers, veterinarians, and other top pet professionals who will help you live your very best life with your pets. We also share inspiring rescue and adoption stories from people who've taken their love of pets to the next level by getting involved in animal welfare. My name is Amy Castro, and I'm the founder and president of Starlight Outreach and Rescue and a columnist for Pet Age magazine. I've rescued thousands of animals and helped people just like you find the right pet for their family. My mission is to help pet parents learn all the ways that they can care for, live with, and even have fun with their pets so they can live their very best lives and their pets can too. Welcome to Starlight Pet Talk. I'm your host, Amy Castro, and today we're going to talk about mushrooms and the many, many benefits that they have for our pets. My guest on today's episode is Dr. Rob Silver. Dr. Rob graduated from Colorado State's College of Veterinary Medicine, and he established one of the first integrative vet clinics in the USA in Boulder, Colorado in 1993. Since then, Dr. Rob has become a nationally recognized expert in veterinary herbal and nutraceutical medicines, medicinal mushrooms, veterinary CBD, and cannabis therapeutics. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rob. Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here today. I've been really interested to talk to you about our subject today, because I know over the last couple of years, like CBD has been the thing in the pet industry and for pet parents. But the idea of mushrooms for our pets is at least new to me. I don't know if you're finding that in your interactions with people as well or not. You know, for some, yes, it is new. For others, you know, they're kind of trend leaders or seeing a lot of stuff online, a lot of social media chatter about mushrooms and so have gotten themselves educated. So, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag. That's why I'm here, you know, to try to convert most people to understanding more about mushrooms so they can decide whether it's a good choice for them or their pets. Yeah. And so, how, I mean, how did this all start for you? How did you get interested in mushrooms for pets and really start to, you know, realize their benefits? Well, I'm a holistic veterinarian of 40 years experience and one of the first you know, in the country as, as complementary and alternative medicine became uh, of more interest to the pet parent. And um, I'm always looking for new tools. I mean, that's really what all integrative medicine's about, you know, is finding new tools to address the same problems that conventional medicine may not be doing such a good job of addressing. Conventional medicine's great, and I don't reject it. I use it all the time. I think it's important, but it needs to be used appropriately in context. And having other tools like mushrooms to improve immune system, to have antihistaminic properties, to have calming or or settling or memory-enhancing properties, or to improve GI function or to improve energy. I mean, these are all applications for mushrooms that I'm mentioning. Yeah, I think they're great tools. And so, you know, in my own practice, 
it, it has taken a while for mushrooms really to be commercially available. I've been using Chinese medicines for years, and mushrooms are a part of Chinese medical history and culture. And so I've been using formulas that have had mushrooms in them for many, many years. But having products that actually have mushrooms in them, you know, as a solitary ingredient compared to one out of 16 other ingredients in a Chinese herbal formula is fairly unique. It's only maybe, I don't know, maybe like the last 10 years that that has happened. And, and, and that's coincided with this upsurge of interest for many people in the use of mushrooms for medicinal or for culinary purposes. And also now we know for psychiatric purposes with psilocybin. So, yeah, so as soon as there were mushrooms available for products, I started getting, jumping in and using them and started to learn how to identify products or, you know, um, companies that were creating products that had actual potency to them, you know, and were, were safe and effective. And so it's taken a while to get there. And that's one reason I'm with the company I'm with now, Real Mushrooms, because I really believe they are and this sounds like hyperbole, sounds pretty exaggerated, but I really believe they are the best medicinal mushroom company in the world because of the because of their integrity, because of the quality of their products, and and because they uh, they standardize their products. There's a great deal of quality control that goes into their products. So I don't mean to give an advertisement. But you kind of asked how I came to mushrooms, and it all fits together. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's important for people to realize, you know, I'm outside of Houston, Texas, and the whole CBD thing has kind of slowly made its way into not only for human consumption, but for, for pets as well. It's kind of made it into our community. And I know from my work writing for Pet Age magazine, even several years ago, writing an article about CBD. And, you know, you mentioned the idea of the obviously purity, potency, things like that, is that not all products are created the same. And so just because your corner store is selling some type of mushroom supplement or you're, you can find it in a pet store or find it online doesn't mean that all products are created equally. And so it is important that pet parents do their homework as to what constitutes quality with these products and safety. Absolutely. Buyer beware, you know, and, and it's important, I think, when you look at a product to find a contact number on that label for the company. Go ahead and call them, contact them, ask them the hard questions, you know, ask them, what is this product grown on? Is this product organic? What kind of quality control testing do you do? How do you know how potent it is? I mean, things like that. If a company can't answer that or if a company is too busy to answer that, then I'd say move on to another company because you really need to find a company to work with that cares about communicating with its customers about the qual its quality. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely important. So what kind of mushrooms are we, and, and the reason I ask this, what kind of mushrooms, I have done a little bit of research, but, you know, we've had a very, very dry summer here in Houston, and we've just had some rain, and all of a sudden there's mushrooms everywhere. And it's like, obviously, I'm not going to let my dog eat whatever mushroom pops up in my backyard, but what are the specific mushrooms that we're talking about here? Well, first of all, we're not talking about any wild mushrooms. You know, it is very unsafe for a person who doesn't know about mushrooms or for a dog to eat mushrooms that are growing up after the rain. There's a high likelihood of contracting a toxic mushroom, which could have very bad outcomes. So most veterinarians... Their experience with mushrooms is that dog that comes in vomiting that was out in the backyard eating something after the rainstorm. 
So a lot of veterinarians, their only experience is that mushrooms are, are toxic. What we're talking about, many of the same edible mushrooms that you may be able to buy at your farmer's market or your supermarket, things like shiitake, button mushrooms, oyster mushrooms, lion's mane. These are very, very tasty edible mushrooms, very safe. They've been used as food for thousands, millennia, 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 millennia. And they also have very potent medicinal properties. So we could start just with those simple mushrooms that are already in the food chain and talk about them as being safe. And so that's where maybe a pet parent, if they want to ask their veterinarian if it's okay to give their dog a mushroom, that would probably be where you would start, is talk about the mushrooms that the veterinarian may be familiar with because it's been on his dinner table, you know, the mm -hmm. button mushrooms, the portobello, the criminy, the shiitake, the, I don't know if you've ever had lion's mane, it's like one of the most amazing, no. yeah, it's, it's, it comes like this big old ball, and you can cut steaks out of it and fry them or even bread them and eat them on a bun like a hamburger. Mushrooms are great food. They've got like 25 to 35% good quality protein, high fiber, low fat, low carbs. It's a great food as well. So that's kind of where what we're looking at. There are other mushrooms. The mushrooms that grow on wood primarily, uh, there's one called reishi, there's one called chaga, which actually is part wood, and some others which aren't so edible because they're kind of chewy. They've got a lot of lignin in them from growing on the trees. And so you can't really eat them, but they also have very strong medicinal properties and are very, very safe. They've been used by for thousands of years by people, not used as much for animals, but now that we're getting experience using them in animals, we're seeing that they are also quite safe. Okay. So how would somebody decide what mushroom they might want to feed their pet? I mean, obviously, you probably wouldn't want to go out and just buy everything under the sun and just start dumping it in your pet's bowl. I'm assuming there's like certain mushrooms that have certain applications based on what you're trying to either treat or enhance in a pet. Exactly. All mushrooms are very similar with certain characteristics. For instance, they have something called a beta-glucan. And beta-glucan is a type of insoluble fiber that actually signals our immune system and gets it to be stronger. And there's quite a few studies showing the effectiveness of beta-glucans from mushrooms in improving immune system function. I even have one study in dogs, in puppies that are immune compromised, where they were vaccinating them and they were unable to get protection from the vaccination because these puppies were shelter puppies that were immune compromised. And you mentioned that you deal with a lot of that. And, and so you're probably very familiar with this. This could very well be a nice use in a shelter environment is to use the beta-glucans from a mushroom to precondition the puppy so that when you vaccinate them, they can achieve a very long-lasting protection because the beta-glucan primes the immune system to process that vaccination more efficiently. So yes, all mushrooms have these beta-glucans. You could take any mushroom, even the button mushrooms have beta-glucans that would improve immune system function and use it for that. But other mushrooms have very specific functions like the reishi mushroom, which is which grows on wood and is not very edible, but is probably the best well-known, longest, oldest mushroom in the world, um, used quite a bit, has in it some terpenes, which are these hydrocarbon-like molecules. We see terpenes in 
cannabis as well. When you um, smell the cannabis, what you're smelling are terpenes. When you squeeze a lemon, you smell that lemon smell. That's a terpene. Well, mushrooms have these same terpenes, which in the reishi and the chaga have antihistaminic properties. So if I had an atopic dog, a dog with allergies, food allergies or inhalant allergies, I'd probably reach for those two mushrooms. Lion's mane, as I mentioned, being super, super edibly tasty, which it is, and the powder made from that mushroom is also very bland and tasty, so it's also easy to give to an animal, because, you know, animals aren't always going to take something just because it's good for them. It's got to taste reasonable, otherwise they're not going to get near it. Like the reishi, which is so bitter... You know, it's probably not going to be accepted by most animals as a powder because it is so bitter, but the bitterness is part of its potency. So we put the reishi in capsules or in soft chews to kind of guard that bitter taste from the animal so they're more likely to take it. But the lion's mane is now the most popular mushroom in in North America today because of its ability to improve memory and its ability to reduce stress, and its ability to help with mild dementia and with cognition. Older dogs, I don't know if you've you've seen older dogs that kind of have this sort of geriatric senility, where they may not be able to even find the dog door, they don't know where their food pole is, and they just start barking out of nowhere. As we get older, all of our brains age, and some age better than others. Lion's mane has been actually reversing some of the early stages of Alzheimer's. And in old dogs that have this canine cognitive disorder, this geriatric senility, we are also hearing very good reports of improvements. Now, I want to get a study going, and I will. Um, the company Real Mushrooms has some, you know, is, is going to be helping getting some funding together to do some studies so we can support these claims with real objective data. So um, I have lion's mane in a formula I made with um, reishi in a soft chew, which is tasty, that we use for calming. We call it relaxed mushroom chews. We put, I put some tryptophan and theanine in it, which gives green tea its zen and catnip. Cats like it because I put catnip in it and valerian and other calming herbs. You know, so, so that's, yeah, so yes, certain mushrooms can have certain specific effects just as all mushrooms have general effects as well. And one thing that mushrooms do that I can't quite explain, but there's something about taking them that kind of improves your your sense of well-being. There, there's a, a sense of, of, I feel good, you know, and there's something about mushrooms that have an interaction with your nervous system and with your, your feelings, which just seem to improve that. Now, these things happen when you take mushrooms every day for fairly substantial periods of time. I think mushrooms, I want to say mushrooms are not drugs. They're superfoods, and they're best when they're taken every day, taken regularly. Now, you don't have to take them seven days a week. You take them five days a week because once you start taking them regularly, you know, you start coasting along, you can can have a little break and still have the advantage of the mushrooms. But um, they really should be part of, uh, I call them a lifestyle supplement because they really should be part of a lifestyle. Every meal, you should add the powder, or the capsules, or the soft chew to give the animal that benefit. Or and and I, and because the benefits are so huge, I recommend that people and their pets share their mushrooms together. We can share, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, two things. Number one, I just wanted to hit on that point that you mentioned about senior pets because we have experienced that quite a bit here at Starlight Outreach and Rescue, where older animals are turned into shelters because pet parent can't 
manage the behavior anymore, whether it's sundowning or whatever that behavior is that seems to happen at night where the dog wanders and is staring at a wall or barking or just being very, very unsettled. Um, I'm definitely going to have to try that lion's mane for that because it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch them go through that and to realize that A, they can't help it and B, that's why their pet parent gave them up to just go into a shelter because they couldn't put up with it. But it is it's hard to deal with. It's it's very frustrating to be woken up all night when they're wandering around. Well, and behavior problems are the single most common reason why animals are surrendered to shelters. And so if we can do anything to improve that, that's one reason as a veterinarian, I try to teach people early on about the value of obedience training. You know, you're going to have mm-hmm. a dog for 15 years. You want it to be a good citizen in your household. And the time to start doing that is is not when they develop bad habits, but at the very beginning, as soon as they come into your home, following, you know, adoption, rehoming. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the um, that sundowning is part of that canine cognitive disorder. And Amy, afterwards, I'll get some, I'll get your, your snail mail address and let me ship to you some lion's mane for you to try. Okay. I think you'll find it. I think you'll find, I'll send, we'll send, we'll send a little gift for yourself as well as a thank you for letting us be here today. Sure. Now, let me ask you this. Is it um, different to get a commercially produced product, you know, you talked about the powders, the chews, things like that, versus I go into a grocery store and buy lion's mane and share that with my dog. The difference is that the lion's mane is raw and fresh, and the product has been dried and processed. So for instance, the um, the company Real Mushrooms, what they'll do is they'll take the lion's mane and they'll dry it into a powder, and then they subject it to a hot water bath of 90 degrees centigrade for two hours. And what this does is this breaks down that fibrous cell wall that has those beta-glucans in it that I was talking about and makes them more available to be used biologically. In the raw mushroom that you would eat for your dinner, um, it's 90% water. So you'd have to eat 10 times as much of that raw mushroom as you would of the dry powder to get the same beneficial effect. And you'd have to cook that fresh mushroom. I said raw mushroom. I really meant fresh mushroom. You have to cook the fresh mushroom anyway to derive any kind of... You'll get some nutritional benefit from it, but it doesn't digest very well because it's so fibrous until you cook it. So you need to at least saute it for maybe 15 minutes. Um, commercially, we do it for two hours to, to get a, you know, a full and complete extraction. Once it's been extracted and it's dry, then it becomes very, very potent. So that's the main difference, really. Now, our, our stuff is organic and mushrooms can be grown organically or not. So that also depends on what, how it's labeled at the supermarket. Um, you know, when you get it, that might be a difference as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then our mushrooms are in powders or they're in capsules or they're in soft chews. So, you know, I came on board with real mushrooms about 18 to 24 months ago to develop their pet line. And so that's what I'm doing. As someone who has been developing and, and creating pet products for 25 years, my experience speaks to creating something that is palatable, something that's going to get into the pet because 
we know that even humans, you know, less than 50% of humans that are given prescription medicines to actually take their medicines. Imagine how hard it is to have to chase your dog around every night or twice a day to, to give it some <laughs> oh, capsules. Me, I know. Uh, yeah, I, me too. You know, so, um, so yeah, so I try, so I've tried to solve that problem by either making it a palatable powder or putting it in a soft chew or worse comes to worse, we use a capsule which could be hidden in a little bit of meat or a pill pocket or cheese or pea peanut butter or whatever to facilitate the the administration because if they don't get it it don't work <laughs> exactly and that's such a good point because i i just i wanted to bring that up because i know there's people that will be listening that will think well i can just go buy mushrooms but i but realize that when you purchase a product that's been processed in the way that you've mentioned it's like you said more palatable it's going to be more digestible you know so your dog's going to get more bang for the buck um, when it comes to actually eating the product and then let's just be honest from a convenience standpoint um, not all of us have the time to cook for ourselves let alone our dogs and so um, you know to be able to put something on their regular food you know give them a little treat I think is is fantastic you know, and one ad other advantage of a commercial product such as real mushrooms is that we also standardize our, our products. So that, that means that a bottle that you buy this year, let's say of the lion's mane, we standardize it to 25% beta-glucans. This also allows us to know how much to give as a dosage to get some kind of an effectiveness. If you take the weight of the animal and you take the, the concentration of beta-glucans, you can then figure out how much to give to address either wellness or maybe more severe conditions like sundowners, like the, the canine cognitive disorder, or even cancer, which might take a much higher amount. So... um that means that a bottle you buy this year and a bottle you buy next year will have the exact same potency. It won't change. The amount won't change. And that's very convenient for veterinarians. And veterinarians have been extremely excited about our line of pet products because of that standardization and because I've created this, this dosing algorithm, which seems to work. And vets like that. It's very numerical. They can do migs per kg. They're comfortable that it's organic, that it's, you know, it's, it's very clean and that it's consistent in potency. So that's a very positive thing, you know, for for this. Yeah, definitely, for sure. So um, we've been talking sort of about dogs, but you did say animals. Are mushrooms, I mean, is that something we can give our cats or other animals, other pets that we have? How would we know? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. Mushrooms are universally applicable to all species. We even put beta-glucans in earthworms. <laughs> or, you oh, know, in well, well. like, people that are growing earthworms, you know, for for fishing or for gardening, beta-glucans improve that. We put beta-glucans in, in trout farms and fish, you know, and so we're using beta-glucans instead of antibiotics for growing animals, you know, because they find that antibiotics would promote more efficient weight gain, you know, and beta-glucans do the same thing because they protect the animal from infection. The animal doesn't have to use energy to fight off infection. It can use energy to grow instead. So yeah, for instance, there's another mushroom called cordyceps. And maybe some of your, your followers have been watching that Netflix um, horror special about the cordyceps mushroom that infects humans and turns them into zombies. I tried watching that. <laughs> I got through like 15 minutes. It's too much of a zombie. I don't really like those zombies things, but a lot of people do. But anyway, so the cordyceps mushroom has an ability to protect kidney function. 
And so I've got a study starting now in with some vets that I've met at the holistic conference and at the whole at the at the hospice conference that are going to be sharing with me some of their their kitty cat patients that have chronic kidney disease. We're going to be giving them cordyceps and measuring the improvements in their blood. And there's some studies in laboratory animals that they have that have chronic kidney disease that they give cordyceps to that shows improvement. So I'm hoping we're going to see that in cats. But one nice thing about the cordyceps that we're talking about in terms of palatability is it's very tasty. The cordyceps mushroom is a relative of morels and a relative of truffles, and it has a it has a lovely taste. I think it tastes a little bit like toast. It's 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 very it's very palatable. I put a little powder on my finger and my my little Maine Coon kitty it, it, that we have new in the household licks it off. It's so tasty. So we're doing that. And then I've got some equine vets because horses get a disease called Cushing's disease. We call it PPI. Mine has it. I've got a oh. I've got a 34-year-old Appaloosa that's got there, Cushing's. Yeah, so we've got a couple of, of very, you know, experienced um equine holistic vets giving cordyceps to their patients who have Cushing's disease and we're going to take measurements. It's a seasonal disease, so we're waiting for January to start with the blood testing, but we're going to measure AC, ACTH and insulin and we're going to see if the cordyceps is making a difference. You know, I'm trying to get numerical evidence to support making claims that it could be good for Cushing's and horses. But we know Cushing's and horses is the gateway to laminitis and a lot of other inflammatory conditions, which are very disabling and oftentimes can be terminal. And so I hope we can find some benefit because the, because the current pharmaceutical they use to treat that does not work very well from what I understand. I'm not much of an equine vet. I, I've done some work there, but that's why I'm reaching out to equine vets to help me with this. So yeah, no, it goes across all the species and I'm working. I, I talk about dogs, but I'm Cats are one of my favorites, as are horses. They're all, I love them all, you know. So, um, so I just want to be sure that we can create mushroom benefits for each species and find out what those are specifically. And that's my job. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm having a heck of a great time. Well, that's great. Just helping, helping all kinds of pets. We always like that for sure. So I know that one of the things, whether it's human physicians or veterinarians, that can be a, a challenge, well, it's, it's probably a blessing and a curse, I guess, in some instances, is that those of us pet parents uh, or human beings are getting out on the internet and doing all of this research on Dr. Google and um, then going to our vets and our doctors and saying, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And you've mentioned several times about holistic veterinarians working with mushrooms, but if I go to a traditional veterinarian, how do I kind of talk to my vet about mushrooms in my pet's diet? And, you know, what I, do you think I'll face resistance? You might. You know, because as I mentioned, probably the only experience your conventional vet has is with mushroom poisoning, you know, so they think mushrooms. I was in a, I was at a conference a couple of years ago with a very respected um, veterinary pharmacologist talking about mitochondrial disease or something like that. And, you know, and she says, of course, we know all mushrooms are toxic. You know, it's like, Ooh. so, you know, my work's cut out for me. Um, we're looking at doing a safety study, which might be helpful to convince vets that, you know, that they are safe. And it may be that, you know, and sometimes the veterinarians who are not holistically minded oftentimes look at their clients who come in who are interested in that as being a little funny because they don't understand it. You know, they, they, they're very rigid, you know, and they, and that's okay. I mean, every, there's different strokes for different folks. 
So one, you know, certainly I'm more than happy to talk to that veterinarian directly. I'm more than happy to email them and send them studies that we have that support the effectiveness. We don't have any published safety studies in dogs, cats, or horses. We've got some in laboratory animals that show, you know, huge amounts of safety. I mean, the mushrooms that we're using are not toxic. They're identified as being edible and safe and have been in use for 30 or 40 years, at least from this company. And, you know, have been in use for much more. So, you know, it, it takes some, some discussion. But yeah, that can be a difficult thing. The nice thing is that veterinary, is that mushrooms aren't going to interfere with anything that your veterinarian has recommended for your pet. So although I do think it's important to be, to disclose to your veterinarian everything you're doing, because it's not going to affect whatever that veterinarian, you know, is wanting you to do you know, for that animal. So, you know, it, it's a yin yang right now. And really, we need to get this, uh, some sort of a published study going that would help to support veterinarians' confidence in the use of our mushrooms to know that they are, in fact, quite safe. Yeah, because that's something that they often will rely on or because that's what they've got to rely on, right? I mean, it's like, I've got to have some valid, reliable source to say this is good or not good or Sure. You know, valid or not valid. So yeah. I, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, kind of answered my other question about whether the mushrooms have any contraindications with other medications or other protocols that a pet might be on. Well, uh, let, let me interject here for a second about that, yes. though. Okay, although, yes, they are very safe with all, with everything that's used, there's always individual stuff. You know, there's idiosyncratic. One animal reacts unusually to things. So I always recommend, no matter what, no matter how safe something is, is to start with a smaller dosage than what we recommend as being the ideal dosage and use that very, maybe a 25% of what the final dosage would be and start that out for a couple of three or four days to see how the animal responds. Some animals do have a very unusual, rare reaction to mushrooms. And if you're starting with a smaller dosage, that reaction would be lower and it helps to give us advanced warning so we don't run into problems. So that's, you know, that's my only caveat with what you're saying about them being safe is yes, they are pretty safe. You know, if they're on you know anticoagulant drugs, we do need to be cautious, not because there's necessarily much more risk, but because anticoagulant drugs are so important to the health of the animal or the person that you want to be careful as you introduce new things that you don't have an idiosyncratic reaction. So, so I just needed to kind of give that disclaimer there about that. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think, you know, that probably is all would also be beneficial just from the standpoint of because my next question was going to be about protocol for introducing mushrooms to my dog's diet. Because I, you know, I've got some dogs around here. We've got quite a few dogs around here right now that will eat anything. I mean, if you toss them a rock, which I wouldn't, they would eat that. And then I've got my bulldog who you toss him something that everybody else loves and she kind of mouths it and spits it out on the floor. <laughs> It's like, why do you not like that? That's perfectly good, whatever it is. Um, so is there a, a trick or a technique for sneaking that in, maybe for a pickier eater? Well, a lot of it depends on which mushrooms you're using. As I mentioned, the cordyceps, the lion's mane, they're very bland. And for most animals, you could probably just use the powder. And we sell it in capsules and bulk powder. You could probably just mix the powder in with their regular food because it's a very tasty edible mushroom. I would start lower, of course, with less new material in there. With your bulldog, you know, I mean, and, and 
you know, and we can't fix everybody. You know, we can't make everybody happy, unfortunately. But with your bulldog, you know, I would recommend starting with a very small amount. You know, let's say the dosage is half a teaspoon twice daily, you know, of powder. Start with an eighth of a teaspoon, you know, and work your way up. And especially with your bulldog that's super sensitive, it may be that eighth, eighth of a teaspoon, it won't even notice it, you know, with the bulk of the food. And then, mm-hmm. but that still gets it in there. And then, you know, and then start increasing it gradually over a period of a week or two. So, and um, I'll see that you get sent um, some bulk powder as well. So you can test that on your bulldog and find out for yourself just how she, uh, how she will accept mushrooms because it would be good for her to have them you know for whatever's going on bulldogs have you know wired in a lot of a lot of problems that can develop over time they're a great breed you know which is why we love to have them but they do have some medical challenges from time to time yes they do (laughs) so you said the mushrooms are something that you basically need to take pretty much daily over the course of time to to really achieve the benefit that you're going to achieve. If somebody was trying to address a particular issue, uh, you know, a particular health issue with their pet, let's, let's go back to the, um, the, the sundowners or the canine cognitive, what was it called again? <laughs> There's a, the bigger umbrella. CCD. We, that's easier. But canine okay. co- cognitive disorder, but CCD is good. Yeah. So if I was to start giving my dog mushrooms for that, how long does it take to show some type of benefit? I know, and I know it's probably going to vary per animal, but how do I how do I know if it's working? Well, if you're giving an, an enough, you know, dosage is also very important when we're trying to find results. I would and and what this is what we're hearing from the vets is I would say two weeks minimum, four weeks maybe more likely. So I would, you know, so two weeks, I think, is a good chunk of time, you know, to, to get started with that. And um, I have heard of some showing responses almost immediately, you know, so it just depends. The lion's mane, in addition to having the beta-glucans, also has these terpenes that I mentioned earlier. I mentioned those with the reishi because they're very bitter. In the lion's mane, they're not bitter, but it's these same terpenes that go up into the brain that help with the memory issues, help with the cognition issues. So terpenes work very quickly because they get absorbed, cross the blood-brain barrier and go up there. So if an animal has a big need for these terpenes, they may work very quickly. So when you're asking me a question like that, my response would be to give you a longer period of time so people don't say, oh, a week, it ain't working, it ain't going to work, you know? Instead, you know, at least two weeks, I think, is reasonable, and I would let it go for a month. I mean, these animals, some of them are very severe, but, you know, their the quality of their life is pretty bad, you know, in terms of their cognitive function and getting around. Some of them even soil themselves, you know, because they can't get out of the house in time. So I would I would say definitely, you know, stick with it because you will most likely get some response over time. It may be time, it may be dosage, but, you know, I would say stick with it. Okay, good advice. So any final thoughts or tip points that you want to make for our audience about what we've been talking about today? I feel like we've covered a lot, but I don't want to leave anything out. Well, there is an important point, and um, that has to do with the quality of the product that the consumer, that the pet parent would choose. And that right now, there are two technologies being used to create products that are being labeled as 
containing mushrooms. And the process that real mushrooms uses, our parent company has been cultivating medicinal mushrooms organically for 40 years. We started eight years ago using those raw materials and making them into commercial um, products for people. And then I just came on board a month and a half ago. And so our mushrooms are actually mushrooms, like the little umbrella-shaped thing, you know, or the the, sh- the shelf, <laughs> the, bra- the bracket fungus on a tree, that sort of thing. That's, that's what we grow. And these kinds of mushrooms have very high beta-glucans, as I mentioned, good food, low starch, very low carbohydrates, low digestible starch. But there's other companies right now which aren't growing mushrooms. What they do is they grow the spores from the mushrooms into mycelium, which is the kind of the roots of the mushroom. It's the vegetative stage. And the mycelium grows through the substrate. It might be the wood. It might be compost or leaf litter. In this case, they grow the mycelium on sterile grain. And the mycelium goes all the way through the grain. For mushrooms, when the mycelium is ready, when environmental conditions are correct, more moisture, a little cooler, the mycelium organizes itself into a mushroom and bingo, mushroom comes up. And then the mushroom creates the spores and the spores get spread by the wind and then germinate into mycelium, which then goes through the cycle again. But these companies are growing the mycelium on grain and then drying it and powdering it and selling that as a mushroom. And so we call ourselves real mushrooms because that's what we sell. We sell real mushrooms. These other companies, I won't name them, but they're quite well-known and quite prominent out there in the industry, are not selling mushrooms. So if you had a dog that had cancer, bad cancer, hemangiosarcoma, the spleen, and you wanted to give a turkey tail because there was a study in dogs with turkey tail that showed benefits for hemangiosarcoma, and you chose one of these other products that were all grain and very little beta-glucans, you would be basically consigning your dog to a death sentence because you're not giving it the mushrooms, if the mushrooms could help. We do know the mushrooms can help in many dogs that have this disease if you can catch it early enough. The late stages of every type of cancer are harder to treat than the early stages. So we always try to get early detection. And now we've got some blood tests for cancer, which actually can do that. So that can improve our ability to address these nasty cancers and allow these animals to live longer, better. So yeah, so that's where I'm saying you need to take the, the contact number for the company that's on the label of the bottle and take that extra step and call the company up and say, how do you make your mushrooms? How, how does your product made? Is it made on gra- Is it just the grain and mycelium? And they claim there's a few mushrooms that grow out of that, and there probably are, but they don't contribute much to the um, immune modulating properties of that product. Um, I think the product is mostly what we call a postbiotic, which has some value, but it's not a mushroom. So if a person wants a mushroom, they should make sure the company creates mushrooms. And there's several other companies out there now that are buying their raw materials from our parent company. And so they do have good mushrooms that are real in their products as well. So ask the company. There's some very good products out there that are not mycelium on grain and that are not real mushrooms as well. So just to be fair to all the companies that are out there. So that's I think that's really important, that you want to be able to know that you're getting what you wanted to get. You wanted to get a mushroom. You didn't want to get grain or mycelium. That's like tempeh, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. It reminds me very much of the um, kind of the same aspect of of CBD. 
I know that when I was doing my research for the article that I wrote for Pet Age, it was very important that the company that you selected the C- CBD from had, you know, independent laboratory results for the individual batch that you were buying. Exactly. Um, and as a way to confirm that, yes, in fact, this is how much CBD is actually in this product because it could be a microscopic amount and they're labeling it as CBD. There's not the regulation that we probably would like to see um, as far as the claims that organizations make in, about their products. Exactly. The certificate of analysis for CBD is right. essential for choosing the appropriate product. Absolutely. Well, gosh, Dr. Rob, this has been incredibly enlightening and educational. I really appreciate all of this information. Now, every time I do a podcast episode with a with a great veterinarian like yourself, it's like, I want to go out and start changing my pet's diets. They're probably looking at me like, oh, gosh, she's doing another podcast. <laughs> but I think it's... Uh, it's, you know, we we only know what we know. And so we do the best with the, we can with the knowledge that we have. And it's it's so important for us as pet parents or pet guardians to stay up with the latest and greatest and to do our homework on the things that we're feeding our pets so that we can give our pets their very best lives. So I thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us today. Thank you, thank you. I'm. It was it was great to chat with you today, and I'm I'm really excited about how about the changes that I'm seeing with pet parents and they've their their motivation and their interest to provide their pets with the best diets and the best supplements and the best the best training and behavioral health. It's just it's you know for, I've been a vet for forty years, and I will say that in the early couple of you know ten to fifteen to twenty years, it was you know it was pretty tough going. It's wonderful, it's just wonderful to see so many pet parents doing what they're doing. It's great. And thank you, because I know that these podcasts are very helpful in educating pet parents so they can care for their pets better. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And thank you again to everybody for listening to another episode of Starlight Pet Talk. Please make sure you share this episode with your friends and family that have pets, because what we've learned today can really impact their lives in such a positive way. You don't want to keep this information to yourself. Thanks for listening to Starlight Pet Talk. Be sure to visit our website at www.starlightpettalk.com for more resources and be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss a show. If you enjoyed and found value in today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. Don't forget to tune in next week and every week for a brand new episode of Starlight Pet Talk. And if you don't do anything else this week, give your pets a big hug from us.